Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts racing through my mind right now. <laughs> Before I forget, don't forget to tag your photos on Facebook, CC Akron, so we can add them into our announcements. Who knows? They might show up in the Sunday morning. So if you have church pictures and stuff, and then also talking about ministry trips, we have a trip planned for Italy. Um, in October, if you're interested in going to Florence, Italy on a ministry trip, <laughs> who's not, right? <laughs> need to see my wife so we can get you signed up. We have a ministry there that we are connected with, have great friends, Assembly of God missionaries there that we're going to be working with, but hallelujah. Matthew, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 17 or Mark 9, wherever you want to put your finger, I want to say to you today this, today is a day for breakthrough for you. This is a year of breakthrough, and five of you believe that, hallelujah. Let me try this again. This is a year of breakthrough for you. This is a year of God's provision and blessing for your life. You know, I don't know, maybe you're here this morning and you feel like that you just keep hitting the invisible wall. <laughs> you go this way and you hit the wall, you go this, you, you look like a mime. You just keep hitting, you keep hitting the walls. Everywhere you go, there's a wall. Maybe, maybe you feel like the Israelites, you just keep going around the same mountain. You feel like this past year you've been going around the same mountain. I want to tell you to, today, 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 this month starts a new season for you. It's time to break out of the box. It's time to break out of the box and start living a lifestyle of the power of God. I, I want... God wants you to live a lifestyle of His power, yes. a lifestyle of His presence. And, uh, you know, when we, when we tell stories and share about all that, you know, like God just moved in China and watching people get healed, or we, we share about the healings, the 120 reports of healing, healings that took place in 2016 here in our church. We talk about the decisions for Christ that are made. A lot of times we look at those as believers and we say, well, that's the pastor. That's his job. That's his responsibility. God wants you to walk in His power and His presence, not just the pastor. What you see demonstrated here should be carried out. This is just demonstration and teaching mode on Sundays. This is just demonstration for you to take out of this building five days, six days, seven days a week in your own personal life, at your work, your job, your school, living in the power and the presence of God every day. You know, <clears throat> I'm convinced the reason that we don't experience the power of God on a daily basis in our life is because we have succumbed to the box we're in. 
All we can see is the invisible walls. All we can see is the mountain that we're going around again. And we're not seeing through the eyes of faith. When you get stuck in the box, you begin to question God. God, why am I here? What happened? You question your leaders. Well, it must be their fault. They led me here. Moses brought us here. It's his fault that we keep going around this mountain. And you begin to question those that are around you. Well, I've got bad company. I mean, this. look at the people around me. Look at the person I'm sitting next to. I mean, really, they're the reason that I'm going through all that I'm going through. Wives, don't elbow your husbands too hard there. It's time to break out of the barrier. Stop questioning God. The result of the continued questioning... The result of that is that you continue on in your limiting beliefs. You continue on in the patterns and the lifestyle that limits you and you continue on being stuck in the box that you're in and you never live a lifestyle of the power and the presence of God. I put this on Facebook this week. Many want, many want the power of God when they're in trouble. Many want the power of God. Oh God, deliver me, help! But few want to live a lifestyle of his power. Many want to talk about the power, but few want to live it out. There's a lifestyle of the power of God that you and I are called to live. What is it to live in a lifestyle? There on the screen it says this, that a lifestyle is the habits, the attitudes, the moral standards that together constitute the mode of living of an individual or group. So what, is the, what are the habits, what are the attitudes, what are the behaviors that are comprising your life? Is the behavior constantly attacking the invisible wall? It's here, it's here, it's here. I can't believe I'm going around. Is it constantly aware of the things that you can't do or the things that won't happen or the fear that's always driving you? Are you seeing through the eyes of faith? Are you walking in the presence of God through the eyes of faith? There are some keys about living in a lifestyle that we need to talk about. First off, a lifestyle is not circumstantial. It's perpetual. A lifestyle is not controlled by your current circumstances. A lifestyle is a perpetual way. It's a continual way of living. It is based on regular behavior patterns. What are the behavior patterns of your life? What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about God? Those begin to constitute the behavior patterns that your life, that this lifestyle has. And those behavior patterns are governed by your values or your beliefs. And so whatever you value, whatever you believe begins to determine the behaviors and all of those things are filtered through your perspective that you have on life. Woe is me. Look at everybody else. They're all, look at what they're doing. They're successful, but woe is me. Anybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Living a lifestyle of the power and the presence of God. In Matthew 17, verses 14 through 21, says this. When they came to the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and is very ill. Can you imagine saying that about your son? He's a lunatic. He's lost it. He's very ill, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said to him, you unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? Yikes. How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not drive it out? 
And he said to them, because of the littleness of your faith, for truly I say to you, if you have faith the size of the mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible to you. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Mark captures this story as well. In Mark chapter 9, verses verses 14 through 29, And it says this, when they came back to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and subscribed. By the way, the transfiguration had just happened. So it set the stage. When they had came back to the the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and some scribes arguing with them. And immediately when the entire crowd saw him, saw Jesus, they were amazed and began running up to greet him. And he asked them, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought you my son possessed with a spirit which makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it slams him into the ground and he foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth and stiffens out. I told your disciples to cast it out and they could not. And he answered them and said, O unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion, falling onto the ground. And he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Sounds like a good day in church. You know how you know you had a good day at church. Oh, we watched a little boy foam at the mouth. It was awesome. <laughs> and we think church is wild. You know, people, oh, wow, well, they fall on the floor at that church. <laughs> it has often thrown him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you could do anything, take pity and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible to him. You know, Jesus, if you can, what are you talking about? All things are possible to him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that, a crowd was rapidly gathering. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you, come out of him and do not enter him again. And after crying out, throwing him into a terrible convulsions, it came out and the boy became so much like a corpse that most of them said, he is dead. But Jesus, a great day, man. But Jesus took him. It only gets better, right? Wow, Jesus, I thought you were fixing this situation. You just made it worse. But Jesus took him by the hand and raised him, and he got up. And when he came into the house, his disciples began questioning him privately. Why could we not drive it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot come out by anything but prayer. Here we find a father who is absolutely undone by the fact that his son is controlled, possessed by a demon. And this demon is throwing him into the fire. It is absolutely tormenting his son. This demon is causing him convulsions. This demon is causing him to fall into the fire and to be burned, thrown into the water, to be drowned. He's foaming at the mouth. Can you imagine the emotional trauma that this boy is going through, the mental trauma that his son is going through? This father is absolutely in dire need for a miracle for his son. He brings them to the disciples, and the disciples, who he thought was going to heal his son, couldn't do anything for him. And this son had been tormented, the father says, since childhood. This, this son, who knows how long this had been, but his son had been constantly, constantly tormented. We find here a contrast between someone who needed God's power in a moment for deliverance versus people who should have been walking in the power of God and able to set this young boy free and couldn't. 
Both the disciples and this father were trapped. They felt like they were in that proverbial box. They were trapped in. They were boxed in. The father was boxed in by this demon-possessed son. He had no hope for a son. The disciples needed power to minister, and they had nothing to give to the young son and the, and the father. Both were brought to a place of self-awareness. Both the father and the disciples realized what they lacked. They were in great need. Both of them needed power. Neither of them had it. Both needed instruction. Both needed impartation. Both saw their missed opportunities. The father saw that he should have protected his son, should have helped his son, should have kept his son from falling into a demon-possessed state. And the disciples realized that they had a missed opportunity because they couldn't minister because they were boxed in. They didn't have the goods to follow through on what was needed to minister to this son. Today, I ask you, what is trapping you? What box do you find yourself in? What mountain do you find yourself continually walking around? And what could the power of God do in and through your life, through that situation, if you will fully yield and fully walk in the power and the presence of God in your life? What could God do in and through that situation? Are you defined by your circumstance? Are you defined by the power and the presence of God in your life? Are you defined? Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Are you defined by the situation that you find yourself in? Or are you allowing yourself to be defined by what the Word of God says? I want to define for you this morning a lifestyle of His power. What does it mean to walk in the power, to walk in the presence of God personally? First off, it is a lifestyle of resting in His love. First off, we find the Father here. He comes to Jesus and He says to Jesus, but if you can do it, would you, would you take pity on us? But if you can. In other words, I believe that you're able to, but I'm not sure that you will. I came here bringing my son because I think that you're able, I believe that you're able to do it, but I'm not certain that you will do it. Our view of God is often driven by our lack instead of his word. Resting in his love all of a sudden releases us from the fear of what won't be and assures us of what can be. When we allow our lack to drive our situation, we allow, whether it's rejection, for example, we allow the rejection to control our lives and our view and perspective of God. We often say, well, God won't do this. He's not going to accept me. He'll reject me. If we're allowing control, our need for control, God won't meet my expectations, so I won't yield to him. Maybe it's a lack of disappointment. God, other people have let me down, so God's going to let me down. Maybe you've been found in the place of lack of, called manipulation. And that manipulation is, I've got to earn the results that God's going to bring in my life. I've got to earn something from Him. 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. In other words, Christ took our punishment. If you're born again today, the punishment of your sin and the judgment of God that you deserved has been placed on Christ. 
And so there is no fear of punishment to come. You are living in the love and grace and the mercy of God. His mercies and His compassion are new every morning towards you. So you can rest in His love. Even when He convicts you of the sin and the depravity in your heart, you can know and rest in the fact that He chastises those whom He loves. So you can rest in His love today. Romans 8, 37 through 39 gives us assurance of victory in His love. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who what? Loved us. We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. We are assured of certain victory because of His love for us. If He loved us, if He loved me, then I know that victory is assured for me. If I am found in the love of Christ, there is absolutely nothing that He won't give me. I am, yes. I am joint heirs. Yes. If I'm born again, I'm a joint heir with Christ. There's absolutely no circumstance, no situation, nothing that I face that I can't find rest in His love and victory in His love. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, or rulers, things present, things to come, powers, height, depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate me, to separate me, to separate me from what? His love. There's nothing that can separate you from His love today. Rest in His love. There's no angel. There's no demon. There's no circumstance. Nothing that you're facing today. Nothing that you'll face tomorrow. Nothing that you faced in your past. Height, depth. Nothing can separate you from His love. Victory is assured in the love of God. Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst. That's, this is a great verse. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Right now, God is singing over you. Yeah. He's singing his song of love over you. He's he's doing his dance of love over you. He's He's rejoicing. That word rejoicing is to dance and spin about wildly. God is excited about you this morning. Not because you're someone special, but because of the love of God that was expressed towards his son that all of a sudden you and I have got caught right smack dab in the middle of because of his absolute mercy towards you. So what do you have to fear this morning? Perfect love cast out fear. Rest in His love. When you and I rest in His love, we can face the circumstance, the, the demon-possessed son, the, the impossible situation. We can face the impossible situation with assurance knowing that all things are possible. All things are possible. I can rest in the love of God. He's got my best intentions in mind. Secondly, we need to live in a lifestyle of faith. A lifestyle of the power and the presence of God is a lifestyle of faith. In Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said to them, Because of your littleness, 
of your faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have faith the size of the mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. In Mark 9, 24, immediately the boy's father cried out and said, I do believe, Lord, help my unbelief. In other words, what is being said here, it was not that they had no faith, but they were unwilling to have their faith increased. The father acknowledged that he had faith, but he said, my unbelief is greater than my belief. Lord, I have faith that you can do this, but I don't know about the situation I'm in. I know that you can provide for this person. I know that you can work a miracle in this person's life. It's really easy to have faith for someone else, but when the tables turn and it's your situation, all of a sudden it's harder to have faith in that circumstance. Will you allow God to use your circumstance to increase your faith, or will you stay behind in the safety of familiarity? It's easy to stay in a comfort place, what you're familiar with. But is that faith? To live in the place of what you're familiar with? To stay in your place of comfort? Is that really active faith? You know, when Jesus talks about the mustard seed, and, and yes, there, there's a comparison in the size here, but more than just the size of the, of the level of faith, what Jesus is really getting at is, is your faith thriving? The mustard seed is one of the, the, one of the greatest of the herbs. It spreads quickly. You know, uh, it's a, it, it, you plant it and it spreads and becomes tall. It can even become tall enough for birds to, to rest in and find nest in. So really what he's getting at is, is your faith thriving? Is it active? Are you finding yourself okay living in status quo or things that are familiar? This is where the great challenge for the believer lies. I want to believe for greater, but it will require me to step out where I've never been. It will require me to set sail on uncharted waters. Faith will cause me, like Pastor Grace saying this morning, to step out into the ocean's deep. Faith will require me to see what I can't see in the natural. Faith causes me to perceive in the, in the spiritual senses, in the spiritual world, of realities of things to come that I can't see with my natural eyes today. Isn't that what faith is anyway? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the confidence of of things that we've hoped for, that we will actually happen, that they'll actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Faith is the tangible assurance. It's invisible, but it's tangible proof. It's tangible assurance. It's confidence. It's conviction of things to come. It's knowing. It's the proof. It's the evidence of things to come. It's looking at a situation like the father and his demon-possessed son that says, God, this is impossible. But it's looking through the eyes of faith and knowing, resting in God's love, looking through the eyes of faith and saying, but with God, all things are possible. That's why Paul could say to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.12, that's why I'm suffering. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know. Why is he not ashamed? Why can Paul not be ashamed? Because I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed and I am convinced. The media is going to catch up with me. 2 Timothy 1.12 I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. That is why I'm suffering the way I am. 
I am convinced. I am fully persuaded. I have an assurance. I have faith that what God spoke to me at the very beginning of this thing, when God called me out of darkness into his marvelous light, when God began this good work in me, He is the author, He is the finisher. He is the beginning, He is the end. He's the one who started it, He is the one who will complete it. I am convinced that He who began a good work in you, Paul wrote to the Philippians, that He is able to complete it. Faith is seeing through the eyes of what can be, of what God is doing and what will be, not through what your current situation dictates. What is God doing in your life currently? What word has God given you for this year? What, what word has God given you for your life? Are you trusting in that word? Are you trusting in what he has spoken to you? Have you put full assurance, faith, and confidence? Is it a tangible reality for you? You might be here this morning and you don't even have a word from God for your year. You don't even have a word from God for your life. Get in the scripture and get a word for your life. This is the compass of your life. If you don't have a word from God, you're going to be easily tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine that comes your way. You're not going to have any charted path for your life. Get in the word of God. Have a word from the Lord for your life. What is the direction of God for your life? And has that word, has the reality, the tangibleness of Christ. Not just an idea, not just a concept, but the reality, the tangible, the tangibleness of Christ. Yeah, the apostles touched him. The apostles saw him. They touched him physically. But we can grasp hold of him by faith. We can grasp hold of the reality of Christ by faith. I may not see him here with my natural eyes this morning, but oh yeah, he's here this morning. He's walking the aisles of Celebration Church this morning, and he's wanting to touch you and minister to you and heal you and set you free. I may not be able to see him with my natural eyes, but I know that he's here by faith, and I can reach out and I can grab hold like the woman with the issue of blood who grabbed hold of the hem of his garment. She had no strength within her, but everything that she had, she grabbed hold and said, I will be made whole. Is that the life of faith that you're living? In spite of what you're facing, in spite of your circumstance, I may not be able to see it with my natural eyes, but I am grabbing hold of him by faith. Hallelujah. James 1.6 says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Oh, I believe, Lord, but can you do it this way? See, faith, resting in the love of God that we just talked about, living a life of faith is yielding control. Because <laughs> in the natural, we see how we want it accomplished and how we think best, but then all of a sudden, When faith begins to operate, it's not by what we see in the natural or perceive with our natural. It's saying, Lord, you're in control. You're in charge. And so I don't fully understand what this means, but okay, let's launch out. That's when Jesus goes to sleep on your boat in the middle of the storm. 
When Jesus says, let's cross over to the other side, okay, I'm good for that. I can do that. <laughs> you get out in the middle of the water, and Jesus is snoring on a pillow. <laughs> and you're like, what is going on? Jesus, you are the one who brought me out in the middle of this thing, and now you're going to leave me high and dry? <laughs> Have you been there? Life of faith. Yes. Yes. Call me out. You know, if I'm, obviously we, we give Peter a hard time about walking on the water. I have not walked on water lately. I am in no place to judge a man who's walked on the water. I'm just saying, I have a great, I, have, I would never get out of the boat. I mean, I'm just, let's just be honest. I have a great fear of water. I'm not getting out of that boat. The boat is comfortable. It's safe. There's wood. You can walk on it. Good, Jesus. And Jesus looks at him and says, get out of the boat. And he sees with the eyes of faith yeah. and walks on water. Yeah. Now, I'm not encouraging someone to go out to Lake Erie and try this. I mean, obviously, you need to hear from the Lord. But this is all about walking by faith is living in accordance with his will. There's a lot of times we encounter situations and things in our life that we say, oh, this is the will of God, and we call it faith, but it's wishful thinking. There's a difference. I, there's a lot of things I'd like to operate by wishful thinking on. There's a lot of people I'd like to deal with by wishful thinking, you know? <laughs> Let me show you the wishful thinking. <laughs> my wishful thinking, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. I extend to you the hand of mercy and grace. Right? There's situations and people and things that we face that we would love to control it by our own thoughts and our own, our own attitudes, living according to the lifestyle of our carnal nature. But remember, that's what ends us up in the box, going around the mountain. Jesus is saying, until you deal with the issue that's lurking in your heart, we're going to keep going around the mountain. It's not about your wishful thinking. It's about living by faith. Yeah. What is the Lord saying? Launch out. You know, practically speaking, what does this look like? Practically living a life of faith. What is the Lord asking you to do? What has the Lord spoke to you to do? What is the, I mean, let's just very simply put it in the context of our church. What has the Lord put within the heart and the DNA of our church to reach out to our community, to see an awakening spread across the Great Lakes region? I've, I've got great news to tell you. God is moving at Celebration Church. Yeah. I, I don't know if you noticed this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I know sometimes, sometimes we get so stuck in, in our whatever muck and mire. We get stuck in the box, right? We're in the box. That we don't see what God's doing right in front of our faces. I mean, I don't know about you, but when's the last time that you came to church and you've seen the, I mean, every, every Sunday you're here. There's the tangible presence of the Lord. People are getting healed. People are making decisions for Christ. Our community is being loved on through Night of Hope in an incredible, tangible, practical way. The gospel is being preached. Disciples are being made. Leaders are being born and raised up. I don't know. I don't, maybe, you, maybe you have not noticed that. 
Oops. <laughs> Wake up. Help you. God's doing incredible things in our church. It's awesome. You know, I, I, we say we're praying for revival. And, and I, yes, you know, I, I'm always more Lord. I'm always going to say more Lord. But I, to me, I want you to, those of you that have been around a while, take a look. I think we're experiencing it. I think we're re- I think we're actually experiencing just just a taste of it. I don't know I don't know that we're experiencing the full on measure of what's to come, but I think we're experiencing a measure of it. There there are varying components. Let me just I, I'm going to go down this bunny trail here for a second. There are varying components and levels of revival and awakening, and there's there's components of of an awakening that starts in the church and the heart of the people and it spreads within to the community and there's a great harvest of souls that comes as a result of that but it all happens in phases most of the time when we look at revivals throughout history and awakenings throughout history we see the greater context we see the big results that happened after a period of time of what took place in a smaller setting the Welsh revival took place in a small little prayer meeting with a little 14, 15-year-old girl saying, I love Jesus with my whole heart. And the fire caught and all of a sudden it began to spread. I mean, just little, little things. I mean, Azusa Street began in a prayer meeting in a rundown home on Bonnie Bray Street. It was to the point that the, the porch collapsed because of the, the amount of people coming in to this prayer meeting. It was a prayer meeting. It was a small group. It was a home group. And we, we, see, we see Azusa Street, we see the mission, we see all that happened at Azusa Street and the mission and the people that flooded in, but we miss where it started. God is doing incredible things in our church. I would encourage you to get on board, live a life of faith. Well, and listen, I'm, Lord help me Jesus, I'm living by faith, I'm launching out, I'm going to launch out. Hallelujah. It's okay. I'm, I'm living by faith, dear. I'm living by faith. She's looking at me. Heather's like, what are you going to say? I'm living by faith. Be bold. Be courageous. You know, sometimes, and this is just reality, when, when, ch- when things change, when things look different, and for, for some of you, things look really different. You know, th- when things change personally, when things change personally, when things change in a congregation, we look around and we see what has changed negative and forget what God's doing and the fruit that's being born. We miss the fruit. When we see trimming, we think, ouch, that hurt. We just got pruned, but we miss the fruit that's produced by the trimming. Yeah. Trimming is never easy. That's all I'm going to say. Trimming, trimming is never easy. That's all I'm going to say. Trimming is never easy. And it, it, believe me, it's not, it's not. It's not for the pastor either. Trimming is never easy. But the fruit that is produced by it is long-term lasting. It's new fruit. God is producing God results in our church. The lost are being born again. Yes. And you're going to get mad at my wife because of what she wears? <laughs> she looks hot. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> By faith. 
By faith. <laughs> by faith. We got to live by faith. I just had to add some humor in there. I could say that. She's my wife. I have a license to say that. Don't none of you say that. <laughs> Only me. Thirdly, we got to live a lifestyle of prayer. We have to live a lifestyle of prayer. Living a life of prayer is constantly denying ourselves our desires, what we want, and living in a place of communion with the Lord. <laughs> Some of you are still trying to figure out what in the world I was talking about. It's okay. You're not going to. It's okay. It's an inside joke. It really is an inside joke. Jesus, when he looked at his disciples and he said, this kind only go out by prayer and fasting. A lot of times as believers, we try to make this a formula. We want to try to box it in. Like this is the formula. Prayer is not a formula. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of delighting ourselves in the Lord. It's a lifestyle of communion with the Lord. I just, I'll give you 10 effects of a prayerful lifestyle. This, and this is scriptural. I'll give you just this. And there's a lot of effects of living a prayerful lifestyle, but here's 10. One, it births continued righteousness. Living a prayerful lifestyle develops a desire in our heart for righteousness. It brings strength for the journey. It deepens our faith. It opens the door for blessing and provision. Prayer imparts wisdom and understanding. It sets our heart and our mind alert against the enemy. Prayer brings healing. It reveals God's favor. It keeps you from temptation. It leads us to forgiveness and righteousness. There's a lot of others, but those 10 things right there that prayer, living a lifestyle of prayer will do. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. This life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. A lifestyle of communion with the Lord, dead to self, continued communication, continued communion with the Lord. I'll wrap up with this. The Bible Knowledge Commentary says this. Jesus was instructing the disciples about their future ministries. Their problem often would be lack of faith and failure to seek their Lord's direction. His word would be sufficient to produce the desired healing, but their actions would necessitate great faith and constant contact with the Lord through prayer. When these elements are combined, there is no limit to the works the disciples could accomplish following his will. Amen. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Time to get out of the boxes. It's time, to, it's time to live in the place of his power. Time to live in his presence. Every day of your life. I understand. I understand that many of you, all of us at times face difficult situations. All of us at different times face hardships in life. Some of us at times are on the mountain, some of us are in the valley, and some of us sometimes are in between. We're all in varying places this morning. But it doesn't matter where you find yourself in life. Are you living 
Are you walking? Are you breathing the power and the presence of the Lord? Living by faith, resting in his love, living a life of prayer, not just talking about these things, not just concepts, not just ideas, but are you doing them? Are they realities for you? I think about Elijah. I'll wrap up with this second closing. <laughs> Elijah has come down. They've had Mount Horeb experience, Mount, excuse me, Mount Carmel experience. Fire has fallen. Sacrifice been burned. Let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. That's happened. And he's killed all the prophets of Baal. 900 prophets dead and then he looks at Ahab and says I hear the abundance of rain I hear the sound of abundance of rain it hadn't rained it hadn't rained they were in a famine I hear the sound of an abundance of rain and what does he do he sends his servant seven times to look out seven times where the rain I'm talking about life of faith. Where's the right? God, now I just prophesied. <laughs> you told me. Where's the rain? And it's on the seventh time, the servant comes back and it says, I see the size, a cloud the size of a man's hand. That's not much. Rising out of the sea. That's not much. But oh, the rain was coming. The rain, the rain feel the rain. It's coming. The rain of his presence. You got to look by faith. Rest in his love. Living a life of prayer. Jesus, I thank you this morning for my friends and family that are here this morning, Lord. Father, I pray for anyone in this room, Lord, that doesn't know you today, Lord. They hear us talking about you, but Lord, they don't know you. I pray, Holy Spirit, right now that you would begin to draw them in. Lord, I know that all service long, that if there are those here, you've already been dealing with them, but, but Lord, I pray right now that you would make the truth, the reality of Christ, very plain to them. You know, the Bible says that there is only one way to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes. No one comes to the Father. No one comes except through me. Acts says that there's no other name given to men by which we must be saved. How is it with your soul today? How is it between you and Jesus today? How is it between you and Jesus today? Are you at peace with the Lord? Do you have peace with God? Or is there uncertainty in your heart? Is there uncertainty about your relationship with the Lord? Is there uncertainty about where you'll spend eternity? Today, you can know Jesus. Today, He wants to wrap His loving arms around you. He wants to embrace you. He wants to change you. He wants to do an incredible work in your life. How is it with your soul today? You know, you might be here this morning and you say, you know, Pastor, I've prayed a prayer before. I've prayed before, but I've, I'm not living with Christ today. I'm not living my life with Christ today, my relationship with Him has grown cold. 
You might be here this morning and say, Pastor, I've never prayed a prayer before. I've never asked the Lord to be the Lord of my life. I've never prayed. I've never asked for forgiveness. I've, I've never come to Him before. And today needs to be that day. Maybe you're here today and you're just unsure. You've prayed, you come to church, but you're just unsure about your relationship with God. And today you need to know that you're at peace with the Lord. In just a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to respond. How is it with you and the Lord today? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.